Good Wednesday morning. Donald Trump comes out swinging overnight. Now in the legal battle of his life. It is June 14th. This is today. Breaking overnight, indicted. Donald Trump, hours after his extraordinary and unprecedented federal day in court, tries to rally the faithful. Today we witness the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. This morning, the case against him, where it goes from here, and the political rivals now starting to weigh in. I can't defend what's alleged. These are serious allegations. We will have the very latest from Washington and Miami straight ahead. Promising sign inflation cools with consumer prices rising at the slowest rate in more than two years. So will the Fed hold off on another interest rate hike when it meets today? On alert, tens of millions bracing for severe storms from Louisiana all the way up to Massachusetts. Al's got the full forecast. New details, the report just in overnight, shedding light on the plane crash behind that incredible story of survival in the Amazon. How those four siblings managed to walk away before their rescue 40 days later. Those stories plus hazard duty, Tom Costello getting up close and personal with sharks. Oh goodness, what is that? That's a big shark. We're going to need a bigger correspondent this morning. He's live inside a tank at the Georgia Aquarium with a story we all need to see as summer approaches. And a little help from AI. Paul McCartney announces new music from the Beatles is on the way thanks to artificial intelligence. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI. The Beatles' final song, Computer Generated, Will Fans Let It Be? Today, Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on this Wednesday morning. And it is a busy Wednesday. Uh, we're monitoring that severe weather threat. It's across much of the United States, including some major storms and really high temperatures, tens of millions under alert. Al, of course, is tracking what is sure to be a busy day weather-wise. But let us begin with former President Trump back in New Jersey this morning after pleading not guilty to 37 felony counts over his handling of classified documents. That scene in Miami was chaotic at times with both supporters and protesters gathering outside that federal courthouse. And then from there, Trump ended the day with a campaign rally, downplaying the events in court, calling the charges baseless. We're going to break down what happens next in the case and the campaign. Let's start with NBC's Garrett Haake, who was in the courtroom for the former president's historic arraignment on federal charges. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. You know, police in Miami had said they were prepared for thousands of protesters outside the courthouse. Only a few hundred showed up. Inside the courtroom itself, the mood was weighty and tense. The former president sitting with his arms tightly crossed across his chest, staring straight ahead at the judge for much of the hearing. The former president now a federal criminal defendant. We want you. We want you. A turning point in U.S. history. 
Former President Donald Trump departing the courthouse as a federal criminal defendant after pleading not guilty to a 37-count felony indictment, accused by the special counsel of mishandling classified documents and obstructing efforts to retrieve them. The defiant former president rallying supporters at his New Jersey golf club overnight, accusing the Justice Department, without evidence, of prosecuting him in order to sabotage his 2024 presidential bid. Today we witness the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. This is called election interference. President Biden has not commented on the case, and the Department of Justice maintains the White House is not involved. Mr. Trump himself is facing an election interference investigation in Georgia for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. He has denied any wrongdoing. Mr. Trump also targeting special counsel Jack Smith. The prosecutor in the case... I will call it our case, is a thug. I've named him Deranged Jack Smith. The special counsel present in the packed courtroom with Mr. Trump watching from the audience, days after delivering rare public remarks defending the FBI and the rule of law. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. During his 47-minute arraignment, the former president sat stone-faced with arms crossed next to his lawyers and co-defendant Walt Nada, his personal body man. None of Mr. Trump's friends or family were with him. Mr. Trump's lawyer, Todd Blanche, entered a plea of not guilty. The judge did not impose any travel restrictions, but did direct prosecutors to put together a list of people with whom Mr. Trump would not be allowed to discuss the case, including Nada, whose arraignment has been delayed for two weeks while he works to hire local counsel. When the hearing was over, Mr. Trump stood up, scanned the courtroom, and left without making eye contact with prosecutors or the special counsel. The surreal spectacle continued with the motorcade headed to Miami's Little Havana neighborhood for what appeared to be a planned pep rally at the famed Versailles restaurant. Food for everyone. Food for The former president, with Walt Nada close by, greeting supporters, singing happy birthday to Mr. Trump, who turns 77 today. And overnight, another one of Mr. Trump's potential rivals for the 2024 nomination offering stronger criticism, having read the full indictment. Former Vice President Mike Pence telling The Wall Street Journal, quote, I can't defend what is alleged. These are serious allegations. But the president is entitled to his day in court. Savannah. All right, Garrett. Hey, thank you so much. Joining us now, NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett, and our chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker. Ladies, good morning to you. Let's start. You were there at the courthouse yesterday. An arraignment is a pretty boilerplate routine procedure. Hard to glean anything about the case, but an issue did come up about witnesses in the case. What did you learn? The most interesting aspect of that entire process was something that the judge did all on his own. He said, I'm going to impose some special conditions in this case. Mm. And he said, I do not want Mr. Trump and Mr. Nada, his body man, the valet, his co-defendant. I do not want you two talking about this case at all. The reason for that is, of course, because the idea that they could potentially try to get their story straight, try to collude on their testimony. And on that thing that he said, absolutely no communication with any other witnesses. Now, query who that might be. But of course, we know at least one of them is likely Trump's own attorneys. And that's why there was a lot of objection. That's why it took so long. There was a lot of sort of coordination about how is all of this supposed 
supposed to work. And even the prosecutor saying, okay, we got to come up with a list to give to the defense about who these potential witnesses are. So we may learn more about this case as the days yes. go on. Here comes Trump right after the courthouse, stopping by a Cuban restaurant in Miami, then doing this political rally last night. Clearly for him politically, a good defense is a good offense. Absolutely. We saw a political defense last night, what's going to be the cornerstone of his campaign, Savannah. But we also heard him say, I had every right to these documents. I spoke to a source who's in contact with the former president who said this person believes that's really going to be the heart of his legal argument as well. It could be a tough one to make. But this fundamental belief that he thought he had the right to these documents, what's notable, this is going to be a part of his political strategy. Look at the polls. 61% of likely Republican voters say, stop talking about the investigations. Talk about what you want to do for the country. But he's clearly focused on the latter. Well, polit but politically, that might be a lane for some of his rivals. He's, he's mm -hmm. so tied up in his own legal problems. He's not talking about you. But let's pick up on what Kristen said. Yeah. This source, not a lawyer, but a source mm -hmm. thinking, okay, this idea, like, I thought these were my documents and these belong to me. I could declassify them. How, how would that go over as a, a potential legal document? They're not defense. documents. They're documents from the CIA, from the Department of Defense. It's not dear diary. These are the materials that are included in the president. the statutes at issue here say, but if you thought they were yours, no. then it's okay? No, that's not how any of this works. And think about it. It doesn't even make sense. If, in fact, he had declassified in his mind, how would you effectuate that? How is anybody else supposed to know who's receiving these documents that he had declassified them? They still have to treat them as classified. If he didn't say anything, he just in his mind. It, it's just not a defense. It's going to hold up in court. Well, there's also an audio tape, according to the indictment, in which the president says, I, these are secret. I used to be able to declassify them when I was president. Now I can't. Exactly. The whole point of that is showing that he knows the limits of the law. Well, that's the trial. Let's talk about the politics again, Kristen. So we saw Mike Pence kind of tiptoeing towards some criticism saying, look, I read these allegations. I cannot defend this conduct. It's very serious. Yet you also have some of his allies on Capitol Hill really circling the wagons in a substantive way. Absolutely. Senator J.D. Vance saying that he's going to try to hold up judicial nominations. Now, he's one senator, but as you can imagine, former President Trump cheering that move, saying everyone should basically be doing what J.D. Vance is. Not clear he's going to have a whole lot of impact. Over on the House side, you have Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan also saying that he wants to investigate this. He wants to hear from special counsel Jack Smith. Speaker McCarthy encouraging that, saying that Americans have a right to hear from him. But look, here's the bottom line. They might be able to thumb up the works, but they can't actually impact the charges or impact this overall legal process. It's worth noting, though, former President Trump was indicted because he didn't respond to a subpoena for months. And that's really what's at the crux of this. There's a lot of concern about the impact this could have on Americans' belief and trust in the Justice Department. Well, it's interesting. We were talking on the very first day of the indictment, those documents that were turned over, he was not charged yeah. for those. It's just right. the ones that's right. that he kept, which yeah. is an interesting feature of that indictment. Ladies, thank you so much. Also this morning, tens of millions up and down the East Coast facing the risk of severe storms. we got Mr. Roker here with all the things we need to know before we head out the door. Hey, Al, good morning. Yeah, guys, good morning and good morning to you. And we are looking in the northeast to this line of showers and thunderstorms that are going to be pushing in here. We have a risk of severe weather, uh, 45 mile per hour winds, isolated hail, tornado threats low. This system is going to cause some problems for the airports in the northeast in the I-95 corridor. But the good news is we get some rain out of this. We really need it. 
it. Now, the area we are severely concerned about, it's down through the southeast from Oklahoma City all the way down into Mississippi. We've got severe thunderstorm watches and warnings, and we've got the risk for severe weather today. A wide swath of severe weather, especially stretching from Louisiana all the way to Georgia. 23 million people at risk. The first round of storms come through this afternoon. The second and even stronger are this evening and overnight. Impact, tornadoes, wind damage, very large hail. We could see a derecho, a long line of storms coming across. And this is what we're most worried about, those tornadoes, especially down through Alabama into Georgia. And wind gusts of up to 75 miles per hour. That's where we may see that derecho, 70-mile-per-hour winds moving at four, at a, a, a length of 400 miles. Now, here's why we're having all this. Unusually strong jet stream across the south. Plus, we've got all this moisture and warmth down through the Gulf available for explosive atmospheric energy triggering off those storms. And so we are going to be looking at heavy rain, storms and winds, especially down through the southeast, could see upwards of five inches of rain down through the Gulf. We're going to get to, oh, not quite. Oh, oh so, oh, so close. Back to you guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Alan. Craig joins us now. Good morning. Hey, you got your eye on? Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, from Wall Street to Main Street, really, all eyes are on the Federal Reserve today. They are set to make a major decision on whether to raise interest rates once again, but this time they have some good news to consider. The newest government report showing that those sky-high consumer prices seem to be easing. Inflation cut in half from last year's peak, falling to 4% in May, up just 0.1% for the month. NBC's Brian Chung is here to break it all down. So inflation now at its lowest level in roughly two years. What do we think that could mean for the Fed's decision today on, on whether to cut interest rates? Yeah, well, we'll take what we can get, right? The pace of price increases is slowing, but economists say where we really want to be is not 4%. It's really somewhere closer to 2%. And for that reason, the Federal Reserve is expected to keep interest rates borrowing costs high, albeit not further raise interest rates. So markets are pricing in the odds that they won't move for the first time in over a year today. But again, that's not the same thing as cutting interest sure. rates. So for anyone looking, okay, maybe that means a 30-year mortgage rate that's going to be a lot lower. Don't expect to see 3% anytime soon. They're going to remain high. But the interest rate hikes could stop with this meeting. So does this mean, this is good news, does this mean the worst is over? Are we through the bad stuff at this point? Not necessarily, but look, overall, it seems like the economy is in a much better place than economists would have expected a year ago when the Federal Reserve began the process of what is essentially deliberately slowing the economy. That's what they're trying to do to lower inflation, get people to stop borrowing, get people to stop buying houses, essentially. And what we've seen is inflation's come down from 9% to 4%, but we haven't seen any sort of costs on the labor market, right? People haven't lost their jobs en masse. The unemployment rate is at 3.7%. That's just marginally above over 50-year lows. So that picture looks pretty good. Of course, what it looks like six months from now, we don't know. The challenge is that as the Fed raises interest rates, there's a lag impact. We might not see the impact of what they do on the economy until many months after the fact. Which makes sense why the Fed is expected to pause today and say, all right, here are we before we go raising interest rates again and potentially crash the economy. Exactly. All right, Brian, thank you. Thank you, Brian. The House voted yesterday to pass legislation that prevents the federal government from banning gas stoves. 29 Democrats joined Republicans in approving that bill 248 to 180. The legislation prohibits use of federal funds to regulate gas stoves as a hazardous product. 
Dozens of cities, including San Francisco, have moved to ban new buildings from using gas appliances as a way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. However, the Biden administration says it does not support a nationwide ban on gas stoves. All right. Anyway, we are looking at uh, some storms developing here in the Northeast, as we mentioned, a severe outbreak through the Gulf. We're going to take a look at the hot, humid weather down through Texas coming up in the next half hour. Nice and seasonal along the West Coast. And that's your latest weather coming up in the next half hour. Uh, uh, those pesky fires up in Canada may be causing some problems oh, again this week. Again? Yeah, we're oh. going to talk about that. All right, Al, thank you. Uh, coming up, new details on that miracle in the Amazon, what investigators are now learning about the plane crash and how those four siblings managed to survive 40 days. And then new music from the Beatles. Paul McCartney himself is promising it with an AI John Lennon inside the huge news. It's both exciting, but also dividing fans. But first, this is today on NBC. This is the beginning. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed we are back at 7 30 it's a wednesday morning it is also by the way So, and apparently he's going to do one of the tracks from that album oh, with, a, cool. with a special guest room. Oh, cool. So, we're very excited. You got good sources on this. I like that. Guys, this morning we were getting some new details emerging on that miracle in the Amazon. We've been talking about this all week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a new report that's focusing on what led to the plane crash. It ultimately left four young siblings stranded for 40 days before they were rescued. That report's also shedding light on their remarkable survival. Yeah, Ann Thompson joins us now with more everyday, more details. Hey, Ann. Yeah, this story gets more and more incredible every single day. We've obtained a new preliminary report from Colombian authorities that details not only how that plane crash may have happened, but how the four siblings managed to survive alone in the jungle. This report is based on initial findings from investigators and is not an indication of what the final report report might be because this investigation is still very much ongoing. It's a miraculous rescue that has captured the attention of the world. For 40 days, four siblings ranging in age from 13 to 1 lived off the land and survived. After their plane crashed deep in the Amazon jungle, killing three adults, including their mother. 
Overnight, NBC News obtained a preliminary accident report issued by Colombian authorities. It was created before they located the kids, but sheds light on how the crash may have occurred. The report notes the aircraft was airworthy and had the technical requirements required for the flight. But less than an hour after takeoff, the pilot reportedly radioed into air traffic control, hoping to make an emergency landing, sending a chilling message. Mayday, mayday, mayday. The engine is failing again, going to look for a river. Less than a minute later, they would receive their last communication from the pilot. 103 miles outside San Jose, going to land in water. But the aircraft never made it. According to the report, as the plane fell from the sky, the aircraft reportedly lost its engine, later found next to the aircraft. The report adding the blades of the engine's propeller showed no deformations or damage. Colombian investigators say the NTSB was notified because the plane and propeller were manufactured in the United States. Investigators say the front of the plane was demolished after flying nose-first into the jungle floor. That detail may provide a clue as to how the children survived due to their seating positions. In these photos, you can see investigators believe the children were likely seated in the back of the plane. The report says because the front section suffered the main affectation and great structural damage. However, one puzzling detail remains. Investigators presumed 11-month-old Kristen may have been seated with his mother. She died at the scene four days later, but the infant survived. That report also noted that the aircraft involved in the crash had actually been involved in a separate accident in 2021 due to loss of engine power. The plane was repaired and put back into service just this past March. The next hurdle for these brave children, recovery. Day by day, they're working to regain their strength. It's physical recovery and emotional recovery, too, after losing their mom. So what do we know about this flight, Annie? It was leaving. Where were they going? So this is the really ironic part of it. This family was trying to get to safety. The father of the two youngest tells the New York Times that in their town, these armed groups, which roam parts of Colombia, had taken over the town and they were trying to actively recruit children. The family was trying to get their kids to safety when this happened. Now the kids are recovering. As you say, they're getting good medical care. They're obviously going to need psychological care Mm -hmm. for being alone and seeing their mom die. And then they're going to determine which relatives that they are going to live with. But they hopefully will finally be safe. And hopefully Mm -hmm. together they stay. Yeah, I hope so. All right, Ann. Thank you so much. Uh, Also this morning, that fatal shooting on the set of Alec Baldwin's movie, Rust, and the investigation that still surrounds the shooting, are back in the headlines. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has covered this story from the very beginning. Miguel, good morning. Craig, good morning. For over a year, it's been closely watched to see who, if anyone, would be held accountable for the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Now prosecutors are revealing new allegations about the movie set's armorer and her actions leading up to the shooting. This morning, the deadly shooting on the set of the Alec Baldwin movie, Rust, is back in the spotlight. Prosecutors now saying it is likely that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the film weapons supervisor, was, quote, 
hung over when she inserted a live bullet into a gun that she knew was going to be used at some point. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed on the set after Baldwin fired a gun that had live ammunition on set. Prosecutors are also now saying that there are witnesses who will testify that it's likely that Gutierrez Reed was, quote, drinking heavily and smoking marijuana in the evenings during the filming of Rust. Both Baldwin and Gutierrez Reed, who have both denied wrongdoing, were charged with involuntary manslaughter. The charge against Baldwin was dismissed in April, with prosecutors citing new evidence and the need for more time to investigate. Hutchins' husband, Matthew, telling Hoda last year that he believed there were unsafe practices on the set. But gun safety was not the only problem on that set. There were a number of industry standards that were not practiced, and it, there's multiple responsible parties. In the end, you know, justice won't bring Helena back, but maybe the memory of her can help keep people safe. Hutchins has since dropped his lawsuit against the Rust filmmakers. Prosecutors leveled these new accusations against Gutierrez Reed last week in response to a motion filed last month by her attorneys that seek to dismiss her involuntary manslaughter charge. Gutierrez Reed's attorney telling NBC News, quote, The prosecution has so mishandled this case and the case is so weak, they are now resorting to character assassination tactics to further taint the press and jury pool. Filming on the set of Rust resumed in April, 18 months after the deadly accident. Prosecutors have said within the next 60 days, they'll decide whether they're going to recharge Baldwin in this case. Craig. All right, Miguel Amagir for us there. Miguel, thank you. All right, coming up, an important hands-on lesson that we all need to see. Dr. Torres will be along with students and volunteers. Going to teach us the life-saving skill of CPR. But first, Akir Simmons is on the story that all music fans are talking about. A new, new Beatles song on the way. Hey, Kier. Hey, Hoda, this is the world-famous Abbey Road Crossing. Can you believe it? The Beatles were pictured here more than 50 years ago. So is it time for artificial intelligence to bring John Lennon back? We'll be asking that question coming up. Back now, 741, with our ongoing series, AI Revolution. And this morning, the debate over artificial intelligence is firing back up for a surprising reason. Wow, okay. Sir Paul McCartney has revealed that the Beatles are going to soon release their final song, Mm -hmm. but using AI-assisted vocals from the late John Lennon. Keir Simmons is in London at a very special location uh, with a little bit more on the reaction from music fans especially. Oh, there you are, Keir. I see you in the distance. He's going to walk across Abbey Road. Yeah, of course he is. Don't get hit, Kim. Hey, guys, that's right. Yeah, this is the, this is the world-famous Abbey Road crossing. So I'm just going to try it myself live on the Today Show. What you do is you step out and you get your picture taken on the crossing just as the Beatles did more than 50 years ago. Incredible, isn't it? The innovation that the Beatles mastered musically at the Abbey Road studios back there. And it leaves you wondering... What would they think of artificial intelligence-driven music? Well, now we know, because Paul McCartney says he likes it and he wants to bring John Lennon back for an encore. John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote with a little help from my friends in the 1960s. And now McCartney revealing in a British radio interview that he's calling on his old friend again. 
But it was a demo that John had um, that we worked on, and we've just finished it up. It'll be released this year. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI. Fans are guessing it will be Now and Then, a demo track recorded by Lennon in 1978, sent to McCartney on cassette tape by Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono, after his untimely death. Back then, it went unreleased. Now, it could bring the band back together one last time, a case of musical time travel, if you will. AI has the ability to learn what John Lennon's voice sounds like, or Ringo's drums, enabling tracks to be demixed and reassembled in better quality. In the Beatles era, that kind of technology was unthinkable. So there's a good side to it, and then a scary side. And uh, we'll just have to see where that leads. This is so great. As Ringo Starr told me a decade ago. Look at the, the state of the art. This is the tape player, and to try and get a good sound, we've plugged it into like a mono radio. <laughs> Would you like to still be playing with the band? Oh, I'm yeah. Playing? Oh, any day. It was the best band. And now he can, in a way. AI was used to enhance the Beatles' music in this Peter Jackson documentary, Get Back, with unseen outtakes of their last recording session. But more controversially, AI doesn't just enhance songs – It makes new ones. A British music festival has already featured a virtual John Lennon. How long before the Beatles' last performance on a roof in London is no longer their last performance? Get back to where you once belonged, they sang in the 60s. A message by the Beatles from the past that could be about our AI future. And guys, folks at home watching that, you guys in the studio, I know that you will have just a million questions. Are the AI Beatles really the Beatles? What would John Lennon think about artificial intelligence bringing him back? We can't know that, of course. Does it matter uh, that we don't know? And what about the idea of music for artists who are still alive? What would Paul McCartney think if somebody went and made another Paul McCartney album without him. There are really challenges here, legal, of course, ethical, and just musical. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Kier. I mean, auto-tune was bad enough, but this this raises so many questions. Yeah, I, I do want to hear the song, though. I would like to hear yeah. the song. Yeah. yeah. But they have yeah. some, like, yeah. that rough recording. Yeah. But Why not just release that? Yeah, yeah. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, it it's is. A, Mr. Roker, what are you... What? He's pondering. Oh. What are you pondering? I'll just let it be. So, <laughs> if an artificial tree falls in the forest, do we not hear it? I, I don't know. No, you don't. I, I don't know. Oh, well, anyway, one thing we do know, it's going to be hot down in Texas from Miami all the way through Louisiana and on into Texas. We've got heat advisories, heat watches, heat warnings. It's going to feel like 120 degrees in some spots today. In fact, heat index is 105 in Del Rio almost 110 in San Antonio, 106 in Houston, and right on into the weekend, triple digits, San Angelo, San Angelo Del Rio, Laredo, Port Lavaux. We're looking at Houston, triple digit temperatures, and the smoke is back again, ladies and gentlemen, from the Great Lakes, stretching all the way down into the Delmarva Peninsula. This is through uh, 7 a.m. Friday. We actually have air quality alerts in parts of Minnesota because of light winds and warm temperatures. Here's the air quality forecast for today, as you can see. 
it's unhealthy in northern Minnesota, but we stretch all the way down into the Gulf. 10 million people at risk for ozone and Canadian wildfire smoke. Unhealthy for a lot of sensitive groups out there. And that is your latest weather, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Al. Al. Thank you, Al. Coming up, one of our favorite guests is stopping Mm. by, award-winning actor Brian Cranston. Guest Hall of Fame, by the Uh, way. He's so amazing. Mm. We're going to talk about his role in the star-studded movie Asteroid City and why he's having to clarify those awful retirement rumors. Say it's not so. Yeah, I know. Exactly. He'll, he'll set us straight. Coming up on Popstar, we got a good one for you. We've got a lot of music to discuss, including big news from Olivia Rodrigo and a One Direction takeover at an iconic stadium. Oh, we'll explain. Plus, you will not see this anywhere else. Tom Costello hopping in live. There he is at the Georgia Aquarium. Oh, my gosh, we're going under with sharks.